you know, why do I serve? Why do I want to serve? Why do I want to be here, you know, after I've worked a full day of work? Um, and it's all because of God. And I'll get to a, a few more of the specific reasons a little bit later. But first, I want to tell you a little bit of story. I want to start from the beginning. Um, early in life, you know, I felt this, this urge, this want to serve God. I was raised in the Catholic Church, and that started off as being an altar boy. Um, as time went on, that urge continued to get a little bit stronger, a little bit more louder in my head. You know, being part of the Catholic Church, I thought, well, my next logical step is to become a priest. Well, there's two problems with that. <laughs> First, Father Harold, I just, just doesn't roll off the tongue. Didn't think that'd work out too well. And the second part of it being, I like girls way too much. <laughs> I needed to get married. I wanted a wife. God provided me with an awesome wife. Amen. <laughs> so I'll be honest with you. Over time, I drifted away from the church. Um, I got a little bit older, made some poor choices, did what Harold thought Harold wanted to do and not really what God was telling me to do. But as time went on, the heaviness in my heart, the call grew stronger and stronger. I, I eventually learned that I was really calling the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was coming into me. And as I do, sometimes I fought it and I fought it, but it never go away. I think it actually got a little bit stronger over time. Well, as years flew by, a lot of great things happened in my life. I got involved into a Bible-believing church uh, in Columbus, Wisconsin. Uh, thanks, Mom. I appreciate that. She really prompted me. I'd asked the Lord into my heart. I'd gotten married, and I welcomed, well, three beautiful children into my life, Drake, Reed, and Isabella. Hi, guys. <laughs> Whole time, I still felt that prompting of the Holy Spirit, but I kept on fighting it. Well, finally, as... As wives often do, Amy helped me make the right decision. I actually think she pushed me a little. And we started off in teaching Sunday school at uh, Evangelical Free Church. Uh, that turned into nursery duty, which turned into helping with Christmas productions, ushering, leading more classes, and finally, enrolling in ministry training, as Pastor Mark alluded to. But I want to share something. It, it almost didn't happen. You might ask why, and I'm going to give you the answer. <laughs> One word, one ugly word crept in, and that was doubt. You see, I doubted my skills. I doubted my worth. I even doubted who I was in God. I felt like, why, why, why would God want me in ministry? Why would God want me to serve him? I felt so unqualified. But the idea of, of ministry, it really energized me. It really warmed my heart. I, I knew there was something there. I'd watch pastor give his message and think, wow, well, they really got it together. I mean, pastors are perfect, right? I'll get back to that. There's, there's a little more to that. I don't want to leave it hanging out there like that. That would just be wrong. I'd never be invited up here again. So let me ask you a question. Does anyone feel unqualified to serve? Okay, unqualified, yeah, yeah. Well, I definitely do. Sometimes, yeah, I still do. I still struggle with it. I got some good news, though. It's not how God feels about the situation. That's not how God feels about you. Turn with me now in your Bibles to John 12, 26. John 12, 26. In John 12, 26, it says, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will also be. 
If anyone serves me, my father will honor him. You know, when I first read that scripture, it really, really spoke to my heart. It spoke a lot of truth to me. It, it says, anyone who serves me. There is no specific criteria to me that doesn't say anyone tall, short, skinny, chumpy, or chummy, or chubby, old, slow, fast, white, black, blue, or brown, rich or poor. It simply just says, anyone, anyone who serves me. You know, the truth is, God came as man to serve and not to be served. And if we want to become stronger Christians, we want to be more Christ-like, I'm going to serve as well. I'm going to do what Christ did. You know, for me, Mark 10.45 says it best. It says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. It tells us again in Peter chapter 4, verse 10 as well, Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. It's in there. The directions are there if we open the book. I'm going to make you feel a little uncomfortable now. Share my pain. No, just kidding. I need to ask a favor. Go ahead, take a minute. I want you guys to look around. Look at other people in the church, people you may know, people you might know. Can you maybe think to yourself something they do well, something about them that would be a blessing to you? I think you probably can. Well, just as you look around, someone's looking your direction, right? Someone's thinking that there's something about you that's special. There's some unique gift that we all have. There's there's no exclusions. Think about it for a second. If we as flesh and blood can see these positive things in one another, what do you think our Heavenly Father thinks when he looks down at us? Our Creator could be your comforting smile. God gave you that. Your ability to lead, that came from God. How about your inept ability to solve problems that others struggle with? We all have special gifts. If you're not getting the hint, how about singing, comforting someone in need, listening, working with children, driving someone around, landscaping, business management? We all have these different gifts and abilities that are God-given, amen? Amen. As a believer, we've been given these gifts and are expected to use those gifts. We have a responsibility. If we turn to 1 Peter 4, it's a little bit longer, we're going to start in verse 8. 1 Peter 4, verse 8. All right, so in 1 Peter verse 8, it says, for, starting in verse 8, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks it is to do so as one who is speaking the utterance of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Do you guys still feel unqualified? Are you still doubting yourselves? Let's watch this video quickly together. Think he only uses perfectly qualified people? Take a closer look. Moses was not a great speaker. 
Jonah ran from God. Jacob was a liar. Noah got drunk. Rahab was a prostitute. David had an affair. Jeremiah was depressed a lot. Solomon was rich in wisdom, but poor in lifestyle. John the Baptist was just plain poor. Timothy was too young. Abraham was too old. Lazarus was dead. Sarah was barren. Naomi was a widow. Gideon and Thomas both doubted. And so did Sarah. Peter lacked self-control. James and John were self-righteous. Paul had a short fuse. Well, so did Peter and Moses. Actually, lots of people did. God's army isn't perfect. It never has been. It's the march of the unqualified. Get in line. All right. So what I basically just heard, that God does not always call the qualified, but instead he'll qualify the called. I'm going to take a couple of minutes to talk about some of these unqualified people that we talked about or we saw here in the video. Let's start with a favorite, King David. Now, David is one of the most humble, had one of the most humble of beginnings. He was born the eighth and youngest son of Jesse. He was a great-granddaughter of Ruth, son of Ruth. Yep, the same Ruth that wrote the book of the Bible. David, as a youth, he, he attended sheep, right? He was a shepherd. And in the ranking of things, that was one of the lowest jobs in a family. Actually, let alone as a servant, it's one of the most lowly jobs that you could possibly have. So what did God do with this lowly shepherd? Well, start off, he sent Samuel, the prophet, to Bethlehem to anoint David as the next king of Israel. Several years later, David, from what I understand, he was pretty small and unimpressive in stature, not like I used to be, uh, stood up to a giant named Goliath. And he did it nonetheless with a sling and some stones. Now, did, Davis face this, did David face this giant because he was a trick shot, massive bodybuilding, manly man who had trained for just that moment his whole life? No, actually, it's not the case at all. And what I think led to that success is that God was in David's heart. David asked God for strength. David was defending the name of God and God's people. That giant fell and fell hard. You know, God eventually took that shepherd and made him the king for 40 years over his people, over Israel. On his own, was David qualified? No, he wasn't. But God definitely qualified him. Now, David, was he a perfect person? By no means was he. Was, he was an adulterer. David was a murderer. But what's important is David came back to God. David gave it to God. Let's jump over to Jeremiah, a major prophet. Now, Jeremiah's life, probably more specifically his struggles, um, may hit close to home for some of us. You see, Jeremiah struggled quite a bit with anxiety and depression. Jeremiah, sometimes known as the weeping prophet, um, he had a tough start in his ministry. See, God plainly said to him, what I'm going to ask you to do, it's going to be really tough. It's going to be hard. People are not going to be happy with what I'm asking you to communicate, what I'm asking you to say. 
But God had made a promise. He promised that he would be with him. Jeremiah was a tool used by God to speak of impending doom coming due to lack of people's obedience to God. He was definitely not a messenger of good things, right? He was telling people to shape up. But God promised that he'd be with him. Jeremiah was a tool used by God to speak impending doom due to people's lack of obedience and that he would be strengthened and cared for by God. There's no way he could have done this on his own. I'm sure he was scared. I'm sure he was unsure of what to do and how to say it, but God strengthened him. God kept him safe. God qualified him. So my last example, let's take a look at a man after my own heart, and that'd be Simon Peter. Now, Peter was a fisherman who became a fisher of men. Many of us may be able to connect with Peter. You see, Peter was called twice into ministry, and he really didn't want to take that first step. It was very difficult for him. Peter was afraid to leave what he knew. He was afraid to leave what he thought he had earned, what he had in this life on this earth. But Peter learned that God sometimes has a lot to give if you just give up everything. Once Peter made his commitment to the Lord, you know, he's still not home free from his flesh. Peter walked on water, but as soon as he took his eyes off of the Lord, he sank. Peter tried to kill a servant of the high priest, but God stepped in, more specifically Jesus, and he fixed it. That Peter, that has witnessed everything with Jesus, walking along his side, denied Christ three times. Not just denied, but Peter began to curse and swear saying he did not know Jesus. He wasn't, he wasn't a friend of Jesus. Does that sound like a true servant of God? Does that sound like somebody who's after God's own heart? Actually, it does. You see, we all fall short of the glory of God. We all are left lacking. But God promises he'll fill in that void, right? So what did God do with him? He offered him redemption. Jesus, post-resurrection, Asked Peter three different times, do you love me? As I would expect, Peter emphatically said, yeah, yeah, I love you. He was, he was able to redeem himself. And I don't think God did it for God. I think God did it for Peter. So Peter could make it right. So Peter could fill that, that void that was in his heart. Jesus called Peter that same Peter that once rejected him to be the rock of the church here on earth. We serve a great God, don't we? We do. Peter was the first to proclaim the gospel on the day of Pentecost. Peter was the first to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Peter was the foundation of the Lord's New Testament church, the same man who at one time rejected him. All this came from that first step that Peter took out of his comfort zone. Peter put his strength in the God, put his strength in God, not strength in himself. Amen? So this brings me back to that question. Why do, why do I serve? Why do we serve as a family? Well, I serve because God has called me to do it. I serve because I personally feel that it's my responsibility as a Christian to serve. I serve because I love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I serve because I'm responsible to the throne of the Most High to use every ounce of skill and ability that God has given me for his glory. Most importantly, I serve because he came to serve. I serve because I long that my family and I have a closer relationship with God. You know, the reason I implore 
you to serve is not out of responsibility. It's not out of shame. It's not out of guilt. Because serving is empowering. Serving is fulfilling. Serving brings us closer to our creator, which is exactly why we were created, exactly why he sent his son to die for us so we can maintain that relationship with him, that we can continue to strengthen that relationship. Our creator that made us in his image clearly states in Genesis 1.31, God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was good. You are good. You're made for good. Question, who was at the gathering yesterday? Just a show of hands. Number one, awesome, thank you. Number two, I have a question for you. Was it a blessing to get out there and serve? Was it fulfilling? That's why I serve. I serve because God is so amazing that even when I offer him just, just a little glimpse of what I, have to, what I have in my life that he gave me, he gives me back rewards. He, he brings that warmth to my heart. He brings that fullness to my life. If I think Jesus was able to accomplish everything he did, God was able to accomplish everything that he did in building this church, starting with 12 apostles. Think of our church, to, church of 300 what we could possibly accomplish in his name. So, I'm going to challenge you guys. How can you serve? Ask yourself, how can you serve? Can you give up some of your time? That's given by God anyways, right? Every breath we take was given by God. Can you use your abilities? Those are all God-ordained. God gave us everything. How about your finances? They're not ours to begin with. We're the hands and feet of God. I feel like we should get moving. You know, if you still find yourself on the fence, unsure of how you can help, have a chat with one of our deacons, one of our pastors. Speaking of our pastors, I promised you I'd get back to that. All right, I'm happy you're all sitting down. (laughs) They're not perfect. I know, I know. But what's even more amazing is I've found that they're the first ones to tell us that they're not perfect. Something that hold me back, held me back early on in junking that next step, getting into ministry training to potentially be a, a pastor, a minister full-time sometime, is the fact that I just felt like I'm not good enough. Right? I make mistakes. I still yell at my kids. I still may use words that are inappropriate at times when I get really upset. But I'm working on it. I'm trying to get better. And by talking to pastors in this church, other people I've met in my life that have been transparent, that have been, been willing to expose some ugly things, they're just like us. And I, it sounds funny. It sounds like, duh, Harold, what are you telling us here? But in my mind, that's not where I was at. So I thank you, specifically Pastor Mark, for the time that he spent in showing me how I can grow in God, what steps I can take to make me better, and be able to expose things that that he struggled with in his life. We have an awesome church. You know, our pastors are men and women that have answered a call, and they rely on God each and every day just like we do, maybe even more sometimes. But we're all God's children, and we we live in a stable and unshakable kingdom. God delights in us. God made us for good.